celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or from the south or the west or you lean left or right. There are no lines and no walls between pet lovers, and this is your Pet Lovers Show. So grab your pets, bring them around the radio right now. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, where Dr. Debbie's not in the studio, I've noticed just now. Oh, huh. here, here she comes. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Sorry I was late. Oh, that's okay. You have uh, probably had an emergency or something. It was just a, I had to do a case handoff. It was, we're biopsying a huge tumor on a elderly pets and kind of time is of mm-hmm. the essence here sure absolutely and like i've always said you're the only one that can get away with that <laughs> <laughs> it's when you worry that i'm like you know my foot really hurts and i just didn't feel like into the radio in time <laughs> that's when you gotta worry <laughs> although my bunion is killing me i gotta say <laughs> Oh, my God, Dr. Debbie, you are so funny. How can you have a bunion? You're too young to have a bunion. It's genetics, and it's also, you know, I went hiking yesterday, so we did like a five and a half mile hike, and my foot is in just a lot of pain. So Now, does the dog go with you? Oh, gosh, yeah. My dogs are awesome hikers. They... You know, they, they get kind of crazy at the beginning. They do a lot of scrambling, running up and down rocks and going into places to kind of observe things. And uh, near the end, they're slugging it out. And they're mm. just tired. So, But they don't get bunions. No, but you know what? They have tough foot pads. So a lot of people, you know, say, oh, my gosh, I take my dog out hiking or walking and they have these sores. They get, you know, sloughing injuries on the foot pads. And it's just kind of like us. They have to callus up. So my dogs have really unpleasantly feeling bottoms of their feet, <laughs> but they don't get injured when they're out hiking out on some of these surfaces because they just like got tough pads. You're not afraid of snakes out there? Do they know? That was my thought. Yeah. Well, actually, where we were hiking um, in the mountains um, at an elevation, there's really not much of a risk of that. Um, So, but yeah, down in some of the more desert areas in the summer, it's, it's definitely a concern and you have to be watchful for that. Do they know snake avoidance? Have you taken through any classes? I have, yeah. So I have done that class. Uh, I'm due for doing a, what they call a refresher. Right. Um, they, do, they do advise after they've gone through that just to make sure it solidifies with uh, time. Um, but yeah, my dogs, you know, they really, they got the message. So they were really <laughs> quick learners. Um, in the, and it was a really professional group that came into town that taught snake avoidance. And I'd highly recommend it if you, if you have dogs that go outdoors, you know, especially hiking, exploring some of the areas where these, you know, we have rattlesnakes, so you can kind of live with them. Yeah, I worked for an organization and I was there, I was putting on the class and I got to work around oh. the snakes and take the dogs around them. It's fascinating. It was just awesome. Yeah. I have to say the creepiest thing was they were doing the training, you know, they, they handle your dog pretty much the whole time. Right. And um, then they said, okay, mom, now come a little closer. And then we want you to, you know, call your dog to see if they will go across the barrier where the snake uh-huh. is. And of course, my dogs refused to do that. They ran around, you know, circle. <laughs> they understood there was danger in the middle. They weren't going to go there. Uh-huh. Um, but they kept saying, okay, mom, a little closer. 
a little closer. You can get within a few feet. And I was like, uh, uh, and I just, I got so close that the hair on my body was just standing up. It was just like so primal. I was so scared being that close to a rattlesnake. Um, cause they were just, you know, controlling it with the little hook thing, you know, the snake hook. I was terrified. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, who's probably not afraid of snakes are a guest coming up next hour. You're going to love this. Have you seen TLC's it's a zoo life? Has anybody seen that? I haven't seen that yet. No, it's a brand new program. These folks, they live, I believe they're in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to do a little more research before they get on. But they have 40 different animals, 40 different uh, species. Species? Is that correct? Wow. I, I, yeah, I know they have like over 80 animals. It's a zoo. And I think they're actually licensed as a zoo, too. And they have a brand new series, which is on TLC, which, uh, you know, you see horses going through the living room and just <laughs> oh all kinds gosh. of craziness. <laughs> Uh, I so, thought you were going to tell us like a roadside zoo or something. I'm going, hmm, I don't know if I like those, but that doesn't sound bad. No, this is somebody's house. This is an actual yeah, house. <laughs> and they have all these uh, strange. It's going to be a fun I want to see if they have like an emu that's like running, you know, somewhere in like the living room. I would bet you <laughs> they might. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll be talking to them in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also coming up, uh, oh, it's heat stroke season, even though in some states it's heat stroke season all year round and animals can get heat stroke from other things than being locked in the car in fact they can be outside and just get heat stroke yeah i've seen dogs you know certainly dogs left in cars um but dogs just kind of hanging out in the backyard and if it's really hot um and especially if they have a say like a respiratory problem older pets or dogs that have a smushed in faces don't really have good air exchange so they're at risk for heat stroke with very kind of low stress situations um so yeah unfortunately in, in vegas where i practice i see it a lot. Time. Yeah, yeah, well, it gets real hot there. And I hate to see it when people are riding their bikes in the heat and their dog is running aside, their tongue, tongue oh, yeah. is hanging out, and they're trying to keep up, and the person's just cruising along. We're going to be talking to Dr. Stacy Ekman. She's going to tell us a little bit how to treat heat stroke and how to keep your dogs from getting heat stroke. stroke. And I believe, Laura, you even have a story coming up about a new state that is making it illegal to lock your dogs in the car. Yes, and it's it's one state. But, you know, the good news about that is that this is becoming such a great trend now. And, and there's almost 30 states that have these hot car laws these days. That's coming up. Let's go to the phones. 1-866-405-8405. Let's head to Robin. Hey, Robin, how are you doing? All right, how are you? Very good. What's going on? Yeah, I have a, uh, a puppy that has a deformed arm. It was born with three, three legs and just a part of another one. Okay. And I was wondering, the people have been telling me that I need to have it amputated, but it don't seem to be bothering him. Okay. And about how long in comparison to the other leg is it? Like I would third say of the about length? half. Yeah. And when I um, have pups that are born with kind of these abnormal legs, that what, that's one of the big distinctions is the length of the leg. So if we have a normal length, but it's just kind of deviated and twisted, um, there sometimes can be things we can do with splinting and or even surgically. Um, but if we've got a really kind of almost like a vestigial leg where it's, you know, half to a third the size of the normal leg, um, and generally the recommendation is to amputate this um, when the pup is old enough to have that done. Um, and it's kind of a decision, 
we don't anticipate it'll necessarily cause them problems in many cases, but it can impinge kind of how comfortable they can lay and lie on that area. So because those areas aren't able to bear weight normally, the abnormal limb is more prone to getting um, wearing and sores on it. So just for the overall well-being of the pet, in most cases, if it's non-functional, it's just kind of a a little thing hanging there, we'll we'll take it off surgically um, and just amputate that limb. And actually, a dear friend of mine just rescued a a puppy um, from a shelter, and it had um, it has an abnormal leg, and, and we're getting ready to you know see about getting that leg amputated. Um, so it, it can make a real big difference. Just making sure you don't run into problems down the road. And you said how old is the baby right now? It'll be three weeks uh, come Sunday. Oh, okay, so we're really young. So probably nothing at this time we'd be making decisions on that. Um, that would be when we get to more, you know, I would say four months or older that we would be talking about that. Okay, so so I have at least four months before I need to do anything about that. I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to bother him. He, mm-hmm. you know, he crawls around, you know, he drinks from his mom, and it, it don't seem to be hurting him. So I, the people have told me that I needed to add an amputation, and I was just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it probably will, would benefit from having that removed. But yeah, you got some time. Um, you know, he's got some growing to do, and we, we want him to uh, get all of his you know vaccinations behind him, get him get him protected for all that kind of stuff before we talk about a uh, you know surgical amputation. Okay, is there anything that I can do for him, like comfort him, or maybe uh, keep it nursed? I mean, the, it's this kind of like flesh. It's, it's it gets a skin on it, but then it gets it rubs it off. So. Is there any way to protect that while he's growing? Well, um, it's hard to say without seeing it, but if he's actually wearing it and it's getting irritated, um, you know, sometimes we can, when they get large enough, we can put a, a little, like an, an infant or a newborn um, T-shirt on the pup. And that's one way to kind of, um, you know, keep that side covered and protected just from wearing. So, yeah, and if he's doing that already and he's already getting some sores on that area, then I would say it's going to be likely that leg's going to gonna have to be removed. Okay, I, I just want to make sure that that was what we were going to have to do. Yeah, well, and he doesn't know he, he's any different, so um, you know, he he probably won't be complaining about it. Um, you know, a lot of dogs that are born this way, you know, they really don't miss that leg. They they don't know it. Um, so being a three legged dog is a fabulous life, and and he'll uh, he'll do well. Yeah, well, we was planning on keeping him because he was the eyeball for the litter, and we wanted to make sure that we did everything that we needed to do for him. You know. Oh, well, bless your heart, and uh, I'm so glad that you can take care of him. Do you have a name picked out for him? Well, not yet. We're, we're trying to decide. We're still deciding on it. Well, wonderful. We'll give that baby a little pat on the head for me, and um, best wishes. Let me know if you have questions as it gets bigger. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for your You're call, welcome. Robin. We appreciate it. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad, proud to support the animal shelter and rescue community. The Brilliant Pad Shelter Program donates products for fundraisers and for use by shelters and foster families. Adopting families can get a free Brilliant Pad system. The website's brilliantpad.com slash shelters. And thank you so much, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Is your dog happiest when splashing around in a pool? 
Dog trainer Steve Dell says dog owners with pools should pool-proof their pets. He teaches dog owners how to train their dog to get out of the pool, saying a dog would naturally swim to shore in a lake but make it confused in a pool. They have to be taught where the stairs are. It sounds like a simple idea, but a dog can drown while panicking trying to get out of the pool. Dell suggests leading your dog into the pool by the stairs, then encouraging him to come back to you using the stairs to get out of the pool. It's also important to keep the pool gate closed to prevent accidental falls. For pets and humans alike, safety is an important part of having fun in a pool. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because Canine Caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's getting pretty warm all around the country now, and this is, of course, the season for heat stroke for your animals. And we're going to be talking heat stroke in just a few minutes and find out what are the signs of heat stroke and what you can do between the heat stroke and getting your animals to the veterinarian. Because there's some ways you can help them before you even get to the veterinarian. That's on the way in just a couple of minutes. We're also going to go to the phones. I see a whole line. All of them are lit up with questions for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani. The numbers are one 866 405 405 and of course you can uh, ask your questions from the free animal radio app for iphone android and blackberry uh Lori, what are you working on for our news this hour i have an amazing story about robot dogs and they're pretty fabulous very popular in one country but what happens when a robot dog dies a robot dog dies does it go to heaven yeah. doggy heaven Robot oh, heaven? Kind of. You'll have to wait. Okay. <laughs> I've never got that whole thing. In, but I understand in, in Asia that they're particularly popular. But I, I got to have... very real. My dogs need to be alive. Yeah. yeah how, do you, how do you form that bond with an electronic device? <laughs> exactly. You know, no bond, no dog poop. <laughs> don't, have up, don't have to pick up dog poop from the robot. Although they might make those little robots with little electronic... Poopies. Poopies. <laughs> yeah, just to make them a little more real, yeah. huh? <laughs> they poop resistors. All right, whose turn is it to pick up all this robotic poop? Oh, so, so many questions, to, so, so you little don't have time. have to refill them. Yeah. <laughs> I had a doll when I was young, and you fed it like baby food, and then it actually pooped its diaper. Really? And the food, yes, it was really kind of gross when you think about it, but you, you like, and it had a little mouth that moved, so you fed it the baby food, and you had to have put diapers on, because eventually it would work its way through the doll, and then it would come out the other end. I could have seen little Dr. Debbie. 
playing with your pooping doll. Okay, I'm sticking around for that story that's just around the corner in about 10 minutes. We check our news at the bottom of every hour. This scrumptious serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals. Canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com, and thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. And now we're going to the phones for your calls. Hi, Kathy. Hi. How are you? Oh, fine. Where are you calling from today? Um, Tennessee. Tennessee. Um, but see, I'm getting married, and I moved. I took my cat for the first time. She's six years old, so the first time out of her own environment, and Aww. brought her over to my fiance's house. And she won't come out from under the bed. She won't okay. investigate. She she won't do anything. And, and does he have any pets at his place? No, not at all. So it's it's a new house. It's only a couple years old. No pets previous. But um, no, I don't know. I don't understand. Um, I don't know why she won't come out. She'll come out to eat, of course, and I keep moving her bowl, you know, her water and food a little bit further out of the hallway, you know, so that she'll come out a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And kitties are, are definitely different than, than dogs when it comes to some of these, you know, new environments when we're changing their world. Yeah. We're basically turning everything upside down. So what she's doing isn't unusual for many cats, especially those that are a little bit more um, introverted, a little bit more passive. Um, oh, yeah. They are actually... Cat. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. A cat like yeah. her needs to get comfortable in her immediate surroundings. So I wouldn't necessarily expand her world too fast. Um, yeah. We want to watch her behavior. If she's seeming calm and relaxed in that one room, then I'd kind of keep that one room her world until she seems more relaxed about getting around that. And then we start to you know offer her resources at different locations. But it really it will depend on cats. I've had one of my own cats move to a new apartment, and he was jumping all over the place investigating. It was it was just like a free-for-all. And then the other one was kind of hiding in the back bathroom. So yeah, you, you have to kind of... the bed. She feels safe. And, but, and I know her. I mean, even in my own house, house i mean you know when i'm not here she'll cry from across the house just to find me and i'll say mommy's in the bathroom and she'll come she'll find my voice yeah well and then we need to use you and the food as that positive reward so um you know when we want to get her out and we want to get her more interactive and investigational in the area you know we have food and we don't necessarily want to leave the food out we want to bring it out to help get her more um interactive so you come into the room you bring in that yummy canned food you set it down and you, you call your kitty out and you know hopefully with time that relaxation will come out more um, but really it's got to be a positive association we, want, we don't want anything to frighten her, scary, try to control that environment as much as possible. And with time, um, she'll come around. Um, yeah, also, does. this is I'm always a big fan on things like those uh, kitty pheromones, the scent hormones, something like this, um, a situation where we just have some anxiety. We want to kind of help her through that. Um, I'm a big fan of getting the plug-ins or the spray um, pheromones that you can just kind of use to help relax her in a natural way. And then controlling that environment as much as possible. Pull out those favorite toys that she has uh, to make her um, a little bit more comfortable when you're around or when your fiance is around. The one. She only has one favorite toy, but I forgot to bring because I was The power went out, and I had to kind of rush. I had to bring all my freezer food over here because, you know, he had power. Listen, you know, the main question I had, um, I'm going to move here real soon, but we'd like to get another cat, and she's about six and a half years old. Now, okay. I, what I'd like to know is, What's more compatible, a, a male or female? Well, she's a female, of course, but what would I, you know, what would be the best for a kitten? Yeah. 
and cats are very different than dogs. So some of the generalization we'll have with dog combinations are very different. Cats, there is no blanket answer for that. So we don't necessarily have a, a male-female combination we recommend or even an age combination. For me, I match the personality. And what you're describing is a kitty who, if we get the wrong cat, we could have a very bad match. So what I would suggest is we'd be looking for a kitty that's got somewhat a similar personality, a little bit laid back. So getting a seven-week-old kitten that's high energy jumping all over the place may not be the best match, whether it's a male or a female. So we might look for a slightly older kitty. And as long as the kitty's spayed or neutered, I'm fine male-female either which way. And I would not, absolutely would not recommend a new kitty right now from what you're describing. Throwing a, a new kitty personality near that would be a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress on her. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Most of us know how difficult it is losing a pet, right? But what happens when your pet is a robot? You ever think about that? Well, it's something that happens a lot in Japan where Aibo, the robotic dog, was invented and a lot of people there have them. So in Japan, the demise of irreparable Aibo robotic dogs is marked in, well, kind of the same way that humans are here. Only there they do it in a very solemn ceremony in a Buddhist temple. In fact, at a recent memorial for more than 100 deceased members of Sony's older generation of Ibo dogs, there was incense wafting through the air as priests uh, wearing robes walked around chanting and praying for these dogs' souls. So each dog was also wearing a tag that showed where they had come from and the name of their grieving owner. Well, this is, you know, like we said, pretty common in Japan, where one 450-year-old temple near Tokyo, pretty big place, has conducted services already for more than 800 robotic dogs. Well, when Sony first put Ibo on the market, that was back in 1999. It sold out their first batch of 3,000 of these dogs in only 20 minutes. Even though they're not cheap, it was then the equivalent of about $2,000 each. But before stopping production of the original Ibo dog, Sony had sold more than 150,000 of them. But that has left a lot of owners of broken robot dogs truly heartbroken. And some of those original Ibo owners are now moving on, though, luckily, with the new and improved Ibo, which uses artificial intelligence. It's actually pretty sophisticated. So what is an owner of the older generation of Ibo dog to do? Well, many of them have been sending them to this company that holds these memorial services for them. And then after that service, another company is contracted, and they remove the parts which can be used to fix some of the robotic dogs that aren't so badly broken. So so how does how does a robot die? <laughs> I guess like everything is like an old car or something. It just wears out or, you know, breaks down and can't be fixed. 
Okay. Wow. I, wow. I guess I assumed they would live forever. Or you'd replace a part. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Look how fast tech is changing these days. Pretty amazing, huh? It you is. can't get parts for your old phones anymore and stuff. They don't make them anymore. You just can't get robot parts anymore for your dog. Your robot <laughs> yeah. dog. That is not. They so don't weird. make them like they used to. Yeah. <laughs> but that's probably a good thing. With soccer's World Cup going on now. Yeah, there is a psychic animal making predictions about which teams will be the winners leading up to the championship game. It, one of the most famous, you might remember, such prognosticating animals for the World Cup, it was several years ago, and that was Paul the Octopus. I knew you'd remember. <laughs> Paul, remember, predicted the winners of all of Germany's matches at the 2010 World Cup. Well, this year's World Cup is in Russia, the big match, so... This year, if you haven't heard, it is a beautiful white cat named Achilles who lives in Russia that is doing the forecasting. Achilles actually lives in a museum in St. Petersburg, Russia, and uh, will make his predictions, they say, by choosing between two bowls of food. Each bowl will bear a team flag, and then whichever bowl of food Achilles prefers or goes after first, then... That will be the winner of the game, hopefully, for Achilles. You know what? We should vote for president that way. You think? Mm. By letting our cats and dogs select? Sure. It's a dog-eat-dog world, Hal. It is. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And if you're a long-time listener or even a short-time listener of Animal Radio, you know we've talked about the healing power of animals. You know, I can speak firsthand to that. I was a crazy mess. I, I'm still a crazy mess, but I feel better about it now. <laughs> You're because less I, crazy mess. Um, I have a like a therapy cat or an emotional support cat. Anytime I'm on edge, I go on over and I pick up Nike, the studio cat, and I purr him. You, you know, you don't even have to pick him up. When you sit down, he seems to know, and he comes to you. Well, I think it works both ways. I think I, I make him feel better, too, because he has a little <laughs> bit of kidney disease. But uh, we make each other feel better. Good. The reason I'm telling you about this is because author Helen Brown, she's the uh, bestseller author of Cleo, which sold over 2 million copies worldwide. I read the book. Cleo? Yeah. Yes, I did. You also read her new book? Yes, I did. Bono. Yes. And she's joining us right now, maybe from New Zealand? Hi, Helen. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. I'm doing well. I'm actually in New York at the moment. Oh, you are? Well, let's bring listeners up to date and just kind of a quick synopsis of Bono. Of course, anybody who's very interested in this story can pick up the book. It's called Bono, B-O-N-O. Uh, but if you can give us a quick synopsis of how Bono came into your life. Well, I, was, I live in Australia. I live in Melbourne. And I've got to a kind of point of life where I wasn't, I was taking everything for granted and all the kids had left home and I wasn't sure what to do with the next phase of my life. So I thought I'd come to New York and spend some time with my publishers here and just have a ball going to Broadway and doing whatever I felt. And they stitched me up. They said, when you're here, we want you to foster a rescue cat. Oh, <laughs> <And> really? It <laughs> was the last thing I felt like doing. <laughs> but 
<laughs> we turned up at the at Bidawee, the um, animal shelter here, and I thought, well, I'm, if I'm going to have a cat in New York, it's going to be a sleepy old tortoise shell that I just have to feed, and and I can still go out shopping and having a great time. And we got there, and this cannonball just shot past. And they said, we're so happy you've come to get Bono. <laughs> <laughs> and as it turned out, he too had um, kidney d- disease quite advanced. And they said, look, he'll never find a home. As soon as people hear he's got kidney disease, they don't want to adopt him, even yeah. though he's got this beautiful personality. So just give him a rest from the shelter, from the other animals, just for a break. Um, give him a holiday and then, you know, bring him back. And so I did take him on, and of course, within a few weeks, I fell in love, and <laughs> and I couldn't bear the thought of him going back to the shelter to die. And so I started blogging on Huffington Post, trying to find him a home. And uh, well, if you want to find out what happened, you kind of have to read the book. <laughs> there you go. I, I like know, that. And I'm not giving it away. You took, you took us right to the edge there. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have cats or dogs or animals back at home? Yeah, I have a very demanding Siamese cat called Jonah, who I feel very guilty about having left behind. In fact, he yowls at me through the phone when I ring home. He's very annoyed with me. And I also have some pet magpies. I don't know what you call them here, birds. They're, yeah, magpies. Um, uh-huh. Oh, you have them. Yes. And um, they'll come to the front door most mornings and they'll eat out of my hand. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love them. They're great characters. So those are the main animals in my life. But I think rescue animals are something special, don't you? Yeah, I'm just like you. I like foster an animal. And, of course, we, we're foster failures. We fall in love with these animals. And have you ever heard that term before, foster failure? No, it's a great one. <laughs> I love it. And that's how we uh, get a house full of animals. One of the problems I had, I didn't want to foster a cat because I, it, I was terrified I would fall in love. And, mm. I, you know, I'd had breast cancer. And you get to a stage in life where you're frightened of having any more pain or loss in your life and you think if I take on this animal and I don't really know his background and I don't know much about how long he'll be with me he'll only break my heart again but that's the lesson of foster animals isn't it they teach us to open our hearts and be open to love and allow ourselves to have that loss again only to live more thoroughly really Absolutely. I don't think there's ever been a foster or any kind of animal that, that we've had or adopted that we later wish that we hadn't had. No. So no. I'm glad you did there's, that. There's such a gratitude about them, isn't there? There's so much to learn from them. Check out the yeah. book. It's called Bono, B-O-N-O. How did the name come about? Do you know? It, it was already named when you got... Yes, well, he was a victim of Hurricane Sandy, and he'd been washed up on Long Island. And I think... Maybe it was a crazy haircut he had or the, oh. or the very amber <laughs> eyes that looked like maybe Bono's sunglasses, but that's the name he had. It's a great, great story. story. Yeah. Yes, it's a great story, and you have to – I'm not going to give it away, but you have to read it. It's one of those page turners. I think I read it in like two sittings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. For 10 really lucky listeners <laughs> that would love a heartwarming story, call me right now, one eight six six. 
405-8405. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to our website at animalradio.pet and look for the As Heard on Animal Radio button and click that. That'll take you right to the book. I'm pretty sure it's going to be another bestseller for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, I love hearing from readers what they think about it. So that, tell them to email me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the book. It's a great joy to me to connect with readers. And also your website, love it. Check it out, HelenBrown.com. A lot of great video up there and all kinds of information about your books. Helen, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a great joy to speak to other animal lovers. This is Animal Radio, baby. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. Hi, this is Shelley Morrison from Willing Grace, and I'm on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets. Please. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. It is hot in the studio. It's that time of year. Can we crack a window? No, of course not. Studio doesn't have a window. (laughs) Or air conditioning. Who who invented a radio studio without a window? (laughs) Or air conditioning. I'm actually more concerned about the animals in here. They look okay right now. Yeah, and they love to be in here. Lori just reported last hour about uh, the new laws. I'm making it, I guess, 26 states now where it's illegal to leave your dog in the car. Good. People can uh, actually break into the car and have no repercussions from saving your animals, except for saving your animals. That's not really a repercussion. That's pretty good. Yes. Uh, But there's, you know, there's other ways to get heat stroke, too. And in just a moment, we'll find out what those other ways are and how to diagnose it and what to do with it. We have joining us Dr. Stacey Ekman. She's a professor at Texas A&M, and she's the chief medical officer at the Small Animal Clinical Services. Hi, Doc. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Very good. So it is definitely that time of season. I'm sure you're probably seeing more animals coming in with heat stroke at the office. Yes, sir. We sure have. Yes, you're right. It's that time of year. Now, there are other ways to get heat stroke other than just being locked in a car. You bet. You bet. So um, probably one of the more common things that we see, aside from just uh, being locked in a car, is just the excessive heat and humidity. So environmental conditions uh, put them just right. And uh, especially if, if your pet hasn't really been acclimated to that, Um, that can actually cause them significant problems. Are there certain breeds that are more at risk? Yeah, there are. So uh, those dogs that have relatively short noses, so uh, short muzzles, we call those brachycephalic dogs. Those really are the guys that are at the greatest risk. So dogs like pugs, bulldogs, shih tzus, Boston terriers, those shorter nosed dogs um, are at greater risk. How would I even know if my dog was suffering from heat stroke? Or I guess a cat, yeah. I guess a cat could too. 
Cats can too. Yeah, it's not nearly as common in, in cats, but um, most of the time, the first, very first early signs that you'll see is that the animal is doing a lot of excessive panting. They act anxious. Um, sometimes people think that they're a little bit uh, uncomfortable, that you may see them kind of getting up and getting down and whining and pacing a little bit. Um, with that excessive panting, they'll really start to drool. Um, and then uh, signs and symptoms just kind of escalate from there. Um, those guys can get a rapid heart rate. Of course, their temperature goes up. Um, they can get really, really depressed um, as heat stroke progresses and um, end up with things like vomiting and diarrhea and shock and um, all the kind of sequela that goes along with it when it when it happens for a prolonged period of time. What are some ways to really protect our dogs? I mean, obviously keeping them in when they're maybe inside the air conditioning, but are there other ways to protect our dogs? Yeah, I think you said it right there, just awareness, you know, recognizing that it's hot um, and taking steps to kind of mitigate that, uh, making sure that um, if it's a... uh, getting to be the hot part of the summer, the hot part of the spring, that you do give your pet time to acclimate. Maybe that's going to the park and spending shorter amounts of time out there playing, taking lots of breaks out there, lots of water and access to shade while they're out there. And that uh, will, will, A, help them acclimate, uh, but B, make sure that they don't get too hot too fast. You get some breeds that would just go all day long in any sort of heat, labs, border collies, those sorts of dogs that, that just won't stop and take a break. And so you really have to be mindful and um, make sure that they are taking adequate breaks and adequate water and shade breaks. Is there a certain temperature that we should keep them away from? Like, oh, if it's over 70 degrees or 80 degrees? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. I mean, uh, you know, and then dogs live in Arizona in the desert all the time. And part of that's they've acclimated to that. And so we've seen dogs down here that even at 70, 75, 80 degrees, they actually struggle with it because they go out for prolonged periods of time. They're not used to it. Yeah, most of the time we think when it gets over 80, 90, 100 for sure. Um, and then high humidity will also play a role in that. If my dog is showing signs of heat stroke, I'm going to rush him to the vet. But is there anything I can do in the meantime to help them until we get there? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, you know, the most uh, common thing that people like to do, which we do not recommend doing, is actually putting ice or ice water on them. That actually No? So you you shouldn't do that. Okay. You should not do that. So cool water is okay. But when you put ice cold water on them, it actually makes their blood vessels constrict down and that that impacts how they're cooling. And so it actually kind of keeps heat internal. So cool water is great if you have a fan and you can um, wet them down and then uh, blow a fan across them. That helps a whole lot. You know, just providing them with shade and water, those things help a whole lot as well. Where, where do they sweat from? I'm, I know for humans under our arms, that's how yeah, you can tell mm-hmm. a guy's hot. But <laughs> if, you're, if you're a dog, I don't think the underarms are where they sweat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they don't actually, dogs don't actually have many sweat glands. They do um, have some sweat glands on their feet and maybe right around their nose, uh, but they, they don't sweat. And so their primary means of getting rid of heat is through panting. And so that's that's why you'll see them panting excessively. Now, you know, dogs will pant when it's cool outside if they're just running around. And so it's the degree of that panting for that dog that's a, a, a good set sign that they're having trouble. All great, wise advice, Dr. Ekman. Thank you for spending time with us today. Great. Thank you all. 
This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. If it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome. I'm sure there are many of you that can relate to this. I, at one time, had a lot of pets, a lot of animals. I was a foster failure, which pretty much meant that any animal that I brought in to foster, I failed at, and the animal ended up living with me. Because I, you, you fall in love with these animals, and I'm sure it's ha- it's happened to you, Lori. I know it's probably happened to you, mm-hmm. Judy, too. Sure, yep. And even you, Doctor Debbie, I bet that's happened. Oh yeah. To you. Oh, that's that's how we get most of our animals. <laughs> Coming up this hour, a real zoo. We're going to talk to Bobby Joe Abrams, and no relation to me, by the way. And she's doing something I certainly would never do. She's allowed 81 animals, mostly into her household. And when I say household, I, all you have to do is check out the TLC program, Our Wild Life. And if you haven't seen it, or if you're like me, you've cut your cables, you can see the trailer simply by Googling Our Wild Life. It's a TLC special, and you'll see animals running through the house. She has alpacas, she has horses, she has camels, she has, and she has a dog and a cat, too. A lot of animals. More than I could ever uh, get away with, certainly. There are laws here, but not where she is. She's got a zoo license, which means she can actually have a zoo at her household. And we're going to talk to her this hour right here on Animal Radio. We're also going to go to the phones in just a couple of seconds. I'm looking at the lines here. It looks like there's one line open. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Quick check of the news at the bottom of the hour in about 25 minutes. Lori, what are you working on? Uh, There's a new list out. I love lists. Uh, This one is the best cities in the world for cat lovers. Ooh. I love it because I'm planning Ooh, a vacation. I should just go yep. to all the best cat cities for my vacation. <laughs> Forget there Rome and Italy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, we're going to line six, and we have we don't even have a line six. Line five, and Steve. Hey, Steve. Welcome. Hey, Hal. What are you doing? Hey, it's our over-opinionated truck driver. What's up, bud? <laughs> oh, just sitting here relaxing in Breezewood, Pennsylvania at the lovely TA Travel Center. Oh, you got to love that. What's going on? I understand you want to talk to oh. Dr. Debbie. Everything's okay, right? Oh, yeah. Just got a couple questions. Our little Boston Terrier, Yaya Butterbean, she's got the... <laughs> to keep creep, creeping up all the time. You keep hearing about it with the luxating patella. Okay, yeah. She started favoring her left rear leg about just over a month ago. And uh, I got to looking at it when I got home for a week and 
playing around with her feet and checking to make sure there was nothing and just trying to, I couldn't find anything, so girlfriend took her to the vet. He didn't take any x-rays or nothing, but he manipulated her kneecap and he said he could feel it moving. And I was just wondering, would it be too much to wait about another six weeks to get the money together? Because he wants to do the surgery on her, about five okay. to $700, he said. That's pretty yeah. cheap. Now, is she... That is cheap, I gotta say, depending on where you're located. Uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, very cheap, tell you that. So, is she actually limping? Is she having discomfort with the legs? Oh, she'll be going up and down the steps, and she'll pick her little left leg up, and she'll go down the steps, or she'll be walking in the yard, fine, and then all of a sudden, pick it up, start walking again, and put it back down and walk again. Okay. Yeah. So she's she, she, yeah, she is showing the typical signs of kind of that intermittent skip or the limp with the leg where then in a few minutes they'll right. use it pretty normally. So no, I don't think that waiting five to six weeks would be um, too much. There are some, some dogs that have a very severe, almost acute injury with the kneecap when um, it can be very painful. For those pets, I you know would definitely want to get to the surgery a little bit sooner, but it doesn't sound like she's any uh, major distress right now. So I think you've got some latitude with that. And you know, the good thing is that some dogs don't need surgery. Um, they may do fine and compensate and not really be clinically uh, lame from this. Uh, it sounds like your baby's kind of in the middle road here where you're seeing that limping uh, on occasion. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully if you intervene before too long, you won't get to that end stage where there's already some deforming um, that occurs with the lower bones in the leg and uh, where that can be a little bit more troublesome with arthritis in the long-term scheme of things. Yeah, that's why we want to get things taken care of quick. And what do you think the chances of this happening to her right leg might be? Oh, very highly. <laughs> and because it is a inherited condition, it's usually present in both legs. Um, there are some dogs that are out there and that don't read the anatomy books, and, and that won't happen. <laughs> but for the good majority of them, yeah, it's very likely. Now, when when your baby is under anesthesia, that actually can give us um, a good opportunity to do some good feeling there. And in many cases, we'll take x-rays um, or just use a good sedated exam to feel, because that will help to give us some degree of um, how severe we might have in the laxity of that kneecap and um, you know what the likeliness is that we might need to address that but if she's got a good leg to stand on right now you get this one repaired um, you know who knows maybe even if she has mild problems on that other side we don't always have to have surgery hey one other quick question I know like with the anesthesia and that for the small the short nose the brachycephalic dogs wow brachycephalic is that a little is that a little bit more dangerous than a regular dog? Not necessarily. The, with a brachycephalic okay. dog, there's a couple special concerns. And for those doggies, they generally have smushed in faces. They can have smaller airways. Um, but generally, when they're under anesthesia, what I always tell people is they're breathing the best they ever have in their whole life because they have a nice, open, secure airway. So for me, um, it's not so much them being under. I'm very cautious with the induction phase of anesthesia and the recovery phase. But while they're under anesthesia, they actually, like I said, they're, they're breathing 100% oxygen and they are just loving that air exchange. It's when they're awake that they really struggle to get good breaths. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Debbie, for going through that. You are one of the greatest vets. Uh, I just love listening to you guys every weekend. All you are great. Thanks for your call, Take Steve. Care. Good luck uh, with Butterbean on that. Uh, it was Thank butter. you. Okay. one 405 This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. Pet Playgrounds makes physical, non-electric, do-it-yourself dog fence kits. 
not electric fences, and they offer professional installation services nationwide. Their website's PetPlaygrounds.com. And thank you, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. And uh, we're going to line two where we have Bob. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Uh, it's Todd. That's pretty good. How are you today? Very good, Todd. What's uh, on your mind? Okay, what it is is we purchased this uh, small swallow. Six <laughs> months old, and okay. she weighs two pounds. Aww. And the thing about it is, is my wife's wanting to put her on heartworm medicine, and I've heard through rumors that the small dogs like that don't need to be on heartworm medicine, and I don't really want to be taken advantage of. Oh, that's bullpucky. I'm telling you, a dog's size does not make them immune to developing heartworm disease. No, this baby needs to be on heartworm preventative. What part of the country are you in? Mississippi. Uh, oh, my God, yes. The country. They go with us on the truck, all three dogs, and they are out here, and that was another thing that kind of concerned me. Yeah. No, especially if you're doing uh, cross-country traveling, the, the American Heartworm Society has actually published statistics that shows that all of the 50 major states um, do have heartworm disease, differing uh, exposures and, and incidents of disease, but this baby needs to be protected. And I'm not afraid of her being two pounds. Uh, fortunately for the dosing range of most of these products, they start at one pound and go all the way up to maybe 25 as the first interval. The important thing to know with the heartworm preventatives is that the dosage, say for a lot of the common ivermectin-containing products, they're actually in micrograms, which are a thousandth of a milligram. So we're talking very small, low doses. So this isn't uh, likely to be a problem even for a two-pound dog. Um, so I, I am not worried at all. I want to get your baby protected. And listen to your wife, for God's sakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm just, I was just with well, you know how it is. I wanted to hear it from a professional. Well, you know what and the I, answer always I, is to your wife. The answer always is, yes, dear, sorry, <laughs> I was wrong. Well, yep. I, I agree with you 100%, but she is not here right now, so she doesn't know I'm asking. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, dear, let's do that. No problem. Um, no, uh, the thing is, is we, we also have another chihuahua. Okay. He's all male. Oh, my gosh, is he a male? <laughs> oh, you oh meaning gosh. he still has those two little uh, brain cells between his legs? Yes. Uh -huh. The thing is, is she's two pounds and he's seven pounds. And if they mate, will the puppies be too big? No, not necessarily. Now, the thing to know that um, two pounds to seven pounds is a pretty close range. Um, now, if you were saying that her boyfriend was going to be, you know, a uh, German Shepherd, I'd be a little worried. But also, when we, we look at certain breeds, um, Chihuahuas, especially some of the real Applehead Chihuahuas, sometimes just being a Chihuahua, they have a big domey head. So just being a Chihuahua could pose a risk for troubles during birth and delivery. Uh, other breeds like uh, Bulldogs, Boston Terriers also have kind of big round heads. So they can get stuck in the birth canal irregardless of the size of the father. So before you do make that commitment to breed, and we do not advise breeding, there's oodles of dogs in the shelters. In fact, in Las Vegas, almost 50% of the dogs in our shelters are chihuahuas. So we don't need more of them. We don't need to make more as lovely as they are. Um, well, I, would I just you. think that these two would make such pretty puppies, see, because she is black and white and has a little gold in her tan. Oh, she and sounds lovely, but you know what I'm going to tell you is that every day, gorgeous, lovely, little black and white chihuahuas are put to sleep because 
everyone keeps breeding these babies. So I would have to say I'm not a fan of, of breeding these babies. If you do need to do it and you feel compelled to do it, make sure you do consult with your veterinarian. We need to have these babies up to date on their shots. And be prepared for a possible C-section. And that's the one thing people aren't always ready for. Yeah, there's health you, risks there. Well, and, you know, cost, too. Um, I had a family. They weren't prepared for a C-section. They thought it would be a great experience. And then, you know, $1,500 <laughs> later, they're like, I can't afford this. Well, uh. great reason to spay and neuter. So think think about that, Todd. Just my little uh, commercial message okay. there. And I wish your babies very well and uh, hope they're doing good. And get that baby on heartworm preventative right away. <laughs> Thanks for listening there, Todd. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds, makers of the safe and reliable real dog fencing system in the world. Pet Playgrounds can be installed by anyone on any terrain, even over rocks, tree roots, and uneven land. Their website's PetPlaygrounds.com. And thank you, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The Dig Guard prevents dogs from digging under the fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing too. Thousands of customers have used a Pet Playgrounds dog fence to keep their dogs safe over the past 10 years. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com and use the coupon code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. Ship it to your door in 10 days or less. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com for the best. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You found it. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. About 10 minutes away from the news check, the Animal Radio news check from the Animal Radio palatial newsroom. I can say that. It's actually looks more like a closet. Uh, but yeah, it's radio. Use your imagination. What are you working on for this hour, Lori? Uh, I found a new um, a pet blog on Twitter. And I'm not a big Twitter person, but I am becoming one. And oh, uh, just in case you have to leave between now and the news, I want you all to check out. I've pet that dog is the name of the page. It's the okay. I think I know what you're going to be talking about. This is cool. You want to stick around for this story just around the corner right here. We're supposed to talk to the folks from the TV show It's a Zoo's Life. These are the uh, well, it's a family pretty much that has and maybe an extended family too. Well, it certainly is extended. They have 40 animals. Yeah, they have a bunch. <laughs> they have a whole no, bunch no. of animals. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking to them in just a couple of minutes. Is that correct? Are they going to be on the show? Ju- what are you doing, Ju- Judy? Come on, what are you doing? What you're what interrupting? Are you, what are you me. Surfing? I was just looking real quick. Just, and what? Uh, yeah, uh, Craigslist. I, I like oh, to look on Craigslist. Jesus. No, no, there's a lot of stuff oh, on there, and I no. never know wh- what there might be that I didn't know I needed. <laughs> so, uh, 
You know what? That's great. Look for your, you know, replacement bicycle parts. Look for yeah. you know, some some old antiques there. But please don't look for your pets there. Um, I Ooh. actually have a, a a very recent story that is actually kind of quite unfortunate. Oh. Um, people a lot of times come to my office and they say they got their pets on Craigslist, Ooh. and certainly there may be legitimate people out there, um, you know, finding owners for pets in that manner. But I have to say, this individual they got an eight week old puppy. And um, within just a few days of having it, I diagnosed it with um, fleas, tapeworms, and parvovirus. Oh, parvo, wow. Yeah, so you just don't know anything about the way they've been raised. Um, and in some cases, you know, I, kind of the skeptic in me would say, gosh, did these people know they had a sick pet and they were just unloading it on somebody? You know, that's, that's a skeptic in me. Um, so consumers beware. Um, you know, you have to really be thoughtful about a pet. It's a lifetime decision and a financial decision that you will have to be responsible for. Responsible for. Not mm. to mention the heartache. So don't get your pets off Craigslist and don't pay for them with Bitcoin. Get them at a, a shelter if you can. And uh, save one that uh, otherwise might be euthanized. Did we lose the parvo puppy? It is under family discussion on what the choice is, what they're going to be doing. I think they're trying to track down the, (laughs) trying to track down the people that I don't think they're going to be able to track down that sold them the puppy. Uh, Can I also say if you have an animal and you need to get rid of your animal for whatever reason, I mean, uh, and hopefully it's it's the the a really need to do type of thing because I don't ever advocate that. But don't use Craigslist no. to uh, get rid of your animal yeah, either. Yeah, reach out to a rescue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're going to head to the phones right now. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 as she's back off surfing again. <laughs> I was looking for dogs. Not that I was going to adopt one. I wanted to make sure there weren't any on there, that people weren't trying to get rid of them on there. There you go, the Craigslist police. Hi, Julio. Hello. Hi. Yeah. How are you? Hi there. Come on. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I have a chihuahua. Can I tell you about my dog? Go right ahead. Oh, yeah, I have a chihuahua, and it's losing its uh, her hair, her fur, like all around the paws and on the neck area. Is she? How old is she? She's like ten months old. Ten months old, and what's her name? Uh, little lovely. <laughs> little lovely. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, is she itchy? Is she having scratching? Is she bothering no. all these areas? No, it doesn't. She acts like it doesn't bother her at all. Okay, good. Just makes it a little hard to look at, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Well, little lovely is she's in an age group where the first thing, the number one thing that I would really think about is that she could potentially have a type of a skin parasite. And um, that would be a, a microscopic parasite uh, of a mite. And uh, they're kind of like a spider, but they actually are microscopic. And it's very common for puppies to um, actually develop some different types of mite infections. Some of them are types that only dogs get, so you don't have to panic necessarily that this is something you or your family are going to get. There are some types of mites that can be passed to people, though. So I would say first thing I would do is get her to the veterinarian and have them do a test called a skin scraping. And it sounds barbaric and horrible when you say skin scraping, yikes. But basically what it is is we scrape off a little bit of the surface on the skin. And it's just something kind of like a little abrasion if you skin your knee. Um, But when we take that scraping, we look under the microscope and we look for these little creepy crawlers that might be present. If we see that, we all yell hooray because then we know what we're dealing with. And uh, very likely in in her situation, I'm going to bet my money and put it on the poker table that she probably has some mites. 
um, the most common type in puppies, I'd say, would be um, demodex mites. Um, and that would be something that would be not a serious thing for you, but would be something that might require some medication or even some special dips um, for her, um, especially if it's kind of affecting, you said, on her neck and her feet areas? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, so it's more than just an isolated area. So that'll probably warrant that we do something to really try to um, address that on a whole dog size, uh, type size. Um, and hopefully we don't have any of the, the lesser favorable mites because some of those can be a little bit harder to deal with um, and a little bit more of a concern for the family members. So I'd say first thing, get it to the vet and let's get this little baby diagnosed and getting back to where her hair is growing in. All righty. All right. Well, good luck and give her a little hug for us. Even if she's losing her hair, we love her anyways. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Give us a call if you have your pet question at 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Helen Brown. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a cat who just wanted a home and someone to love. Her website's HelenBrown.com, and thank you, Helen Brown, for underwriting Animal Radio. Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The dig guard prevents dogs from digging under our fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing, too. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com. Use code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Lawmakers in Michigan have proposed a new law that would punish pet owners who leave an animal in a hot or a cold car. Under that bill, anyone in the state caught could be fined or sentenced to jail if the pet dies. That new law would make the animal's death a felony. 28 states now have some form of what they call a hot car law on the books to protect pets. Gideon Kid is really a kid, but I'm in love with this kid. He is a nine-year-old from Iowa whose biggest love in life is petting dogs and documenting it with pictures on his blog, which is called I've Pet That Dog. And uh, Gideon's already pet more than 300 dogs for about a year and a half. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Gideon just pet dogs, and then he had somebody take photos of him with the dogs, and then he posted the photos on his blog. Then the HBO News program Vice found Gideon and called him the purest thing on the Internet. But Gideon's got a Twitter page now, and this thing, boy's life has just really gone, like exploded. Um, his Twitter name is I've Pet That Dog, and he's suddenly got more than 70,000 followers. Wow. And his pictures are adorable. Very cute. Yeah, I think his goal now, is to get over 1,000. I think he'll goal. get there pretty quickly. Yeah. You So you've seen him, Judy. Isn't I he have. adorable? He is adorable. He is pure. Now, uh, maybe you are not like Gideon and you are more like Hal. You prefer cats to dogs. So there is a new list out for people like you. It is the five best cities in the world for cat lovers. 
Number five on the list is Tokyo, Japan, um, which is actually, by the way, the current number one destination for cat lovers. But maybe that will change with this new list. Who knows? Number four in the list, uh, no surprise, St. Petersburg, Russia, which if you were around last hour, that's where Achilles the Cat, who is predicting the winners of this year's World Cup matches, lives. The number three city on the list of the five best cities in the world for cat lovers is Hautang Cat Village in Taiwan. It's just outside of Taipei. And they say it started as a refuge for abandoned cats about 10 years ago, but is a lovely place. Number two, and I've seen documentaries on this, and I believe it. Number two on the list, Istanbul, Turkey, where residents there are especially kind to their cat population. While strays in, in most countries, you know, you can tell they're strays, they're not in really good health. Well, those on the streets of Istanbul tend to be very well-groomed and also well-fed, thanks to the care of locals and shopkeepers there. But the number one city in the world for cat lovers is Rome, Italy. Ah. And they, yeah, I was shocked too. I thought it would for sure be Istanbul, but no. Uh, but they say in Rome, the strays and outdoor cats there are probably the most well fed cats in the world because they often feast on whole plates of pasta. <laughs> Not good for them, but apparently in Rome, they do love their cats. But pasta breath, maybe? Cats? <laughs> Garlic? I don't know. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. And oftentimes when Dr. Debbie and Lori and Judy come over my house, they say it's the Abrams Zoo. Because yes. I have a few animals. Just just, just a, a few. few. You've gotten better, but over the years you've had many animals. Yeah. But uh, it's nothing like the Abrams Zoo that we're going to find out about right now. No relationship, though. Absolutely no relationship. Okay. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> sure. On TLC, there's a brand new program started last month. It's called Our Wildlife. Uh, it premiered in May, and it's about a family that has, I believe, 86 animals. And you were saying 40 earlier as we were teasing it. 80, according to this. No, this one says they have 86 children, and, and 81, 81 of, of them, them are animals. Still more than 40. 81 yes. animals. Yes. I saw the trailer for this program. Unfortunately, I've cut my cords, and I don't get TLC. So I've seen the trailer, and... Uh-huh. It's craziness. There's animals like running over. They're in the kitchen and there's all kinds of animals running around. I believe there was a horse running through the the house. I think they have an alpaca. It's a truly amazing situation. And we go to the phones right now where Bobby Joe Abrams is joining us. How are you doing, Bobby? Joe? Doing good. Happy you are. So uh, are you at uh, home right now? I am in my car right now. Okay, so how many animals we're just uh, debating here? Do you uh, actually have a zoo license? Yes, I do. I have a USDA license. I'm regulated by the state, um, and I do have a little um, exotic zoo in my backyard. Exotic what was that? Zoo. A, A little exotic petting zoo. Oh, so people can come over and pet the animals. People do. We have we do tours every day. Wow, wow. So you let the animals in the house, it, it appears. Yes, a lot of the babies 
start out in the house for socializing. Um, I've got my fifth little marsupial on me today right now. I wear all the kangaroos on me the first five or six months so I can bottle feed every four hours and so that they're real socialized so that when people come out and I share them, they're not, it's not stressful. Where do these babies come from? Um, they come from all, all over. It depends on the situation. Um, some of them are rescues and some of them are actually I purchased from breeders. I gotta ask. So you're in you're in Silver Spring, Maryland, right? I'm in Pine Tops, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Okay. Yes. What's the climate like for a kangaroo in North Carolina? Is that uh, an okay climate for them? It is. Um, like you know, our summers are really hot. We have seasons. Um, the weather's kind of all over the place. But the thing is, all the babies start out in the house. So that first year, you know, they're with me, and then after that. I mean, they can acclimate. They acclimate fine, you know. And in the winter, they have heated houses, and and I mean, it snows in New Zealand. So, so in the winter, you know, as as they get you know older, they're fine to be out. When they're babies in the beginning, they always are on me, and they start out in the house. Papa Joe, I got to ask you. This is Doctor Debbie here. So. I, what you do is amazing, but what do your friends and family think? I mean, when they come out, when you have like Thanksgiving, what, what happens? Like, do the animals all kind of cozy up to the food and sit at the table well, with you? Well, no. Well, what we do, like babies, like let's say I have a baby kangaroo, all the marsupials I wear only in a pouch. And if people are coming over, I just hang them on a chair or hang them on a doorknob, you know. And, <laughs> and like, if, if, if it's cold like say it's really cold outside it depends on the weather sometimes on how we do things but like like the little lemur as a baby he started out in the house but he's got a really big cage when i have guests over he's in the cage when guests aren't in the house he has free reign and he can fly around and then you know i put him back up but i mean everybody has different interests and that's a part of our family it's a lifestyle and you know we keep our house is very clean you know tv is you know, kind of over the top. So people think, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, my gosh, it must be crazy. It, it's very clean. You know, we keep we keep everything clean and nice. I'm, I'm regulated by the state. They come out. You never know when they're coming. They pop in just like, you know, a health inspector at a restaurant. And I've never had any problems. I'm in compliance with all the safety, you know, all the laws. And it's just that I like mine socialized. Our whole concept is encounters. So, like a regular zoo, you see the animals from a distance. But when you come here, I'd like to bring you in with the wolf, and I like I bring people in with the kangaroos. But if if the kangaroos were raised by their actual kangaroo mom, you would never touch them because they would be too skittish. They would be afraid. But you know, when I you put that that time in, then people come out, and it's the whole wow factor of that intimate like. You know, the, the tours we do, I take people through. It takes about an hour and a half to meet everybody. But it's that one-on-one with exotics and all the animals that, that people wouldn't normally get to touch. It, instead of seeing them from a distance, you can rub the camel and the zebra. And, and you know, and some of them are, you know, we, we don't want people to think they're not. Some of them are ornery. And the ones that are, there's a lot of safety rules about them. And I just try to explain it to the children. It's just like boundaries, like, you know, and, and, and learning to respect boundaries. You, you, the, the earlier you learn that, we have to have that tool throughout our whole life. 
you know, if I kept touching your ears and you asked me three times to quit touching your ears, by the fourth time I might get what was coming to me, you know? <laughs> so so yeah. it's just a lot of common sense and a lot of love, and it's a family, you know, like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I faux painted for almost 15 years is how I raised my kids, but the last seven years I've been doing the, the little zoo because my husband does um, big corporate picnics. He does the catering and amusements. And so every weekend my daughters and I would do birthday parties, and every time I made money I'd buy an animal. Okay, well, hold, hold on, Bobby Joe. We've got to take a quick break here. We are with Bobby Joe Abrams from the TLC special, Our Wild Life. And she has 81 animals living with her. You thought your house was crazy. We'll be back, so stick around. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Brilliant Pad. If you're tired of handling stinky puppy pads, the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning dog potty wraps and seals ways to keep your home clean and odor-free. Messy and smelly is replaced with clean and fresh. <laughs> do your pads do that? The website's brilliantpad.com. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The dig guard prevents dogs from digging under our fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing, too. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com. Use code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our kangaroos, our camels, our lemurs. Of course, I'm talking about Bobby Joe Abrams from the TLC special, Our Wildlife. Now imagine this, she has 81 animals at her house. She has so many animals that the government had to license her. When I got a USDA license, I was kind of on the radar for some exotics that were rescues. So that's how I got my camel and and a lot of then things started popping up that helped, you know, that was really great in, in that way. But um, but what we do is they all have a story just like we do. You find out how they are. You pair up best friends. If somebody's being bullied, you move them. You know, you want harmony, you know, just like we do. And, and, and there's chemistry there. And you find out who loves each other. You find out who's grumpy and crotchy. And, and, and they're just like we are, you know. So a lot of them are neutered. There are some that I breed right now. My, porcup- my, my African crested porcupines, Spike and Sequilla, they're, they're breeding right now. But a lot of them are neutered. And that's to eliminate, you know, any kind of dominance and stuff because we do so much sharing with people. But, but there are a few that have babies here. And, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just how we do it. You know, and I do want to 
let everyone know, you know, there are a lot of safety things that, that when people come out, you know, we have perimeter fences, and that's like an outside of the actual cage. And, and there are a lot of things like, you know, with the sloth, we have to explain, you know. So, how well, what was that? Sloths, did you say? Yeah, yeah, we have sloth that lives in the house. But what I do is I have a really small tree, and after my tours, I bring her out to her tree, and that's where we share her. So I guess you sound like a very big animal lover. So is the whole family on board? Well, my, 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 um, they really are. My one daughter, that's Cassie, that's 18. She, I mean, she loves them, but she's not over the top like my little boy and my oldest daughter are. Um, so, you know, I don't push it on her. I let her be her own person. And, and, um, she does great. We do camps every summer and she does the music with the camps. And that's really sweet because that's kind of her her thing. And so I let her teach the music. So you know, there's um, there's you know, there's always we find out you know everybody's good at some things and what they aren't good at. I tried not to push it because when I pushed it, you know, I didn't want her to feel like it was a job. You know, so so we let her kind of do do her own thing. But she. She's really helpful, and she doesn't mind. Like today, she did a lot of cleaning for me, and she she's really good on – there's always a job. So if she doesn't want to do something specifically with the animals, there's so many things she can do. So we just try to, you know, um, you know, there's lots of needs every day, and it's just like any other family. We assess the needs, and we get through it, and then when everything's nice, then we can have fun and do what we want to do. You so know? That's- to run in something like this with all these animals has got to be just extremely expensive. How can you afford taking care of it, everybody? Well, it is, but in the very beginning when I first started, we would go to the dump and get old decks for the goats playground. I would go to yard sales. I put ads out and bought old playhouses that kids had, and people would donate things when they, they know me and and you just get a reputation so, for it, you know. I mean, we're a small town, so people, you know, people, you, you, everyone gets to know each other. And so people have been so loving and kind, and they would reach out and say, you know, well, my little girl outgrew her playhouse, and so I want to donate this to the kangaroos. And and I and since I so painted, you know, I fixed all the little houses up really, really cute. And that that was kind of our theme when people come out; they love the way the animals live. Yeah, and so. so you know that was a big thing. Is, is just making it like like their their homes are really cute, what, adorable. What, what's your favorite animal? I mean, I'm sure they're all like family. And what's the most bizarre one? And what's your favorite one there? Um, yeah, of course I love every single one of them. My my favorite is the kangaroos, and it's just because I can't help but to when you keep them on you for month after month after month, and I get up through the night and bottle feed and. You get real attached, and they follow me everywhere I go. So, but then of course, you know my look, my camel. Now he's getting really big. But when he came, he was less than four foot tall. He was twenty days old. He weighed eighty pounds, and I bottle fed him. And he's really, really loving and sweet too. Is he allowed and in the house? Him, no, okay. he did come in the house as a baby, just as a joke because I wanted a picture. Oh, okay. But, but that was it. I mean, now he's she's tremendous. He's like my dinosaur. But, <laughs> Bobby, Joe, we are so out of time, but I want to thank you okay. so much for coming on the air with us thank today. You. Check it out on TLC. It's called Our Wildlife. Thank Next. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, there are so many things going on there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
Sorry, I just spit on the microphone. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be excited for this gal or not. But I'm not even going to go there because we got to get on out of here before the cleaning crew comes in. And, and i got to tell you, they have quite a duty after us. They have to clean up all of the uh, animal stuff and our stuff. Thank you so much. You know, I never thank them. Thank you, cleaning crew, for cleaning up after us. Hopefully you have a cleaning <laughs> crew at your house, too, that comes in and cleans up after you. If not, for Christmas, we're wishing you get that. Anyway, we're going to get on out of here, walk the animals. If there's anything you've heard on today's show that you you have more questions about, you can go on over to animalradio.pet. And, of course, if you hit the little circle that says, as heard on Animal Radio, you can find all the items, all the books we've talked about on today's show. Don't forget to download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.